Hey everybody, you're listening to the Poema Church Podcast. Today we're sharing a message from our latest series. We believe the Word of God in Scripture is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website, poemachurch.ca. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Hope you're doing great. Um, What a powerful morning in worship. That's so good. Um, Musicians and singers and band people, it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, I don't mean that necessarily just in like a good performance sort of way. Like you really ushered in the presence of God, which, uh, you know, is is the point of worship to, to, to worship God and to glorify God. And and yet, you nailed it, nailed it. You know that show, nailed it? Yeah. They have to bake something really hard and then they have to put it down and say nailed it no matter what it looks like. <laughs> Even if they didn't nail it at all. But you guys totally nailed it. It was awesome. Um, so if you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Josh. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be speaking today. Uh, we have this series going called God's Plan. And um, basically, we've just been talking about different elements of uh, uh, what God's plan is for our life. What is God's plan for the church, uh, just individually and corporately? And I and I think uh, it's been such an encouragement for uh, for myself and for for all of us to just kind of reorient um, why we go to church. What is God saying to us while we're there? How how do we fit into these sort of things? And uh, I think that's awesome. And uh, I'm going to kind of uh, finish off the series here. And uh, if, if you don't know, uh, our church just finished a, a week of, of prayer and fasting. And uh, fasting is a time, uh, it's a long-standing church tradition where um, we, we either choose to skip a few meals uh, or we don't eat for the day and uh, we decide to focus our attention uh, on God. And uh, it has a lot of different purposes and not to sort of like promote myself, but uh, the, the church asked me a few years ago to put a, put a couple of videos together to kind of explain it. So I'm not going to go into detail on fasting right now, but you can go to uh, our website or our YouTube and probably find it there. Uh, but yeah, prayer and fasting, uh, like I said, fasting, long-standing church tradition, that's just not something modern. And I can also give you a, a tip about fasting. Fasting is not not going on Instagram, okay? Fasting is not eating, okay? That's biblical. So I don't know if you've ever seen somebody be like, I'm fasting Instagram. Okay. Not a fast. (laughs) That's not a thing. Okay. The early church didn't have Instagram. Okay. They weren't like, oh, I'm not going to read scrolls this week. They're like, no, you're not going to eat. That's what's the whole point. So, but we're going to talk about prayer and uh, man, prayer, what a huge um, subject in the Bible. Um, you know, I, I just want to start off by saying and kind of presenting with a little bit of humility that I'm not going to cover all the aspects of prayer in a 30, 25-minute sermon, okay? And I know that. So the thing about prayer is that it, it's, it's learned, it's, you grow in it, you understand it more as you do it. Uh, it's one of those things that you sort of practice uh, as a Christian. It's a, it's a church discipline. It's a Christian discipline to prayer and, and to pray. And so you know, I'm going to just give you a good overview, kind of a, kind of like a core idea of what prayer really is. Is that okay? Awesome. Um, here's another thing, too, that, that I'm learning about God and the nature of, uh, of his character, is that we can know God extensively, but we can't know him exhaustively. 
And I think prayer is very similar. We can understand some of what prayer does. I think we can understand the extent of prayer, but I think it's very difficult to understand prayer exhaustively, knowing exactly what our prayers do all the time. You hear what I'm saying? And so it, it's something that is, is it, it evolves uh, as we do it. Sometimes we pray for things and, and, and it doesn't happen. Sometimes we pray for things and it happens immediately. Sometimes it's almost impossible for us to know exactly why or why not those things happen. Um, but what I can tell you about prayer is that prayer is the tool that God chose to communicate with us and for us to communicate to him. So prayer isn't something necessarily that we just made up as people. It's something that God instilled for us to use, to communicate to him. Uh, and let's just start at the beginning. So this is the first mention of prayer in the whole Bible. It's Genesis 4, 26. And it, and it says, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Prayer in its most basic idea is just calling upon the name of the Lord. Obviously, uh, if you're familiar with Christianity, Jesus lays out a few uh, ways to pray. And he prays for us as his uh, future disciples. But really, the, the, the basic understanding, the first time prayer comes up in the Bible, is just this idea of calling upon the name of the Lord. It really can be as simple as that. We, we sometimes, I think, want our prayers to be uh, clever or smart or um, interesting to God. It, Nothing that we do is interesting to God. <laughs> He's never like, whoa, good idea. I never thought of that. But the thing is, is that he really does just want us to call on his name. It's so basic. And it really is the, the basic idea of communication. You know, when my wife wants to talk to me, she'll, if I'm in one room and she's in another, she'll go, Josh, right? She's calling out my name. And then we start a communication. It's really that easy. Um, here's, some, here's something really interesting. As I was doing a little bit of research, when we, we announced prayer, I started thinking about it. What is prayer? How can I dial in my understanding of prayer? There's some, there's some 650 prayers in the Bible. So you could read one prayer a day for pretty much two years and understand a little bit more about what prayer is. Understand what, wow, I never... I never saw that before. I never thought about that before. There's a great prayer in uh, Colossians that, that I've been studying a little bit. It's Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And basically, it's just saying, God, guide me. God, may your spirit actually give me the things that I need to know. God, actually, how about you direct my steps kind of thing? And it's, it's simple, and it's beautiful, and it's just like, oh, yeah, prayer, right talking to God, communicating. You know, all communication is, is uh, directive, right? It's like, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm going good, like blah, 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 blah. Like, you're having that conversation. There are lots of different types of prayers, so I'm going to read off a few. How does that sound? So there's prayers of faith. There's prayers of lament. There's prayers of repentance, deliverance, petition, uh, intercession, adoration, or praise. There's even prayers of complaint, those are George Costanza's prayers, okay? That was like a 90s sitcom joke. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> showing your age. Um, yeah, there's, there's prayers of complaint. God, what is happening? Why is this happening to me? You know, um, there's prayers of blessing. There's prayers of harvest. There's prayers of thanksgiving. So there's all different types of prayers. And um, 
we'll get into a little bit about what those prayers are about. But um, let's, let's kind of get into this here. So here's a great verse that I think people use a lot, and uh, I'm going to try and help us understand it a little bit more. And uh, it says uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. Okay, pray without ceasing. Does that mean that the only thing we ever do is pray? Okay, it can't be, because right now I'm not praying. (laughs) And, and the person who wrote that, he talked in public circumstances like this. He went to different places. He talked to different people. He wrote letters. So he wasn't always praying. So let's get some clarification on what this means. The best way that I've heard this explained is that it's not that we're always praying. It's that we never stop that we would go to prayer. We would never throw in the towel on the idea of prayer. Paul's trying to explain, it's like, hey, did you pray about this situation yet? That should be like your first response. I know one time we talked about prayer, and it's prayer as a a first response, not a last resort. Okay, That's, that's what Paul is talking about there. Never stop praying. Never stop thinking, hmm, maybe I should actually stop and pray about this situation. Right? And so that's, that's one thing that, that Paul talks about. And then Jesus obviously talks about prayer as well. Matthew 21, 13. Jesus says, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Savage. Okay? Jesus just, he's just obliterating these people. And he's talking to these people that have turned basically the church into like a commercial asset. And he's basically saying, like, yeah you've turned this thing into something I never intended it to be, but I actually want this thing to be built on prayer. The early disciples got that because in Acts 1.14, basically what would be considered maybe a few months later, it says in Acts 1.14, with one accord, they were devoting themselves to prayer. The, the disciples heard Jesus loud and clear. They were like, oh, so we're not setting up another um, highly technical religious institution. We're actually moving towards something else. Now, I believe in the church, so I believe in a religious institution of the church, but I believe that also we are directed through prayer, not through sacrifice or through technicalities, right? Prayer, aligning our communication with God, grows our personhood, it grows our church, and it grows us closer to him. Let me kind of give you a visual picture, and you'll have to forgive me because I am no contractor. I am not handy at all, okay? But I'm I'm thinking about prayer, and I was thinking about, it's kind of like the screws and the nails in a room or in a house. Screws and nails hold up the entire thing you know, from the very, like, beams in the floor and the ceilings, it's all held together by screws and nails. What's weird, though, about screws and nails is, for the most part, particularly if you're, you know, into interior design, um, the nails go, like, behind the painting that you're hanging. The screws go, the screws get covered up by mud. Yet, it's a thing in every single part of everything that's built that's holding everything together. But you don't really see the screws and the nails, unless you're in some sort of like 
cool like concert hall where there's a big exposed beams and there's like big you know rustic sort of like uh, uh, train rail nails just you know those are cool or whatever but point being is generally generally this is the thing this is the very thing that's holding the ceiling up right now <laughs> it's like screws and nails but we don't really for the most part we don't really see them that's sort of the way prayer works prayer builds it up but we're not always walking around praying all the time but prayer builds us up. Prayer holds up our walls. When it feels like the walls are caving in, prayer is the thing that holds the walls up, if you can kind of understand the analogy. See, the church isn't just a building, but it is the people, and the people are built up through prayer. And Jesus is like, this is what builds you, prayer. You know, I'm, I'm all for teaching. I'm all for learning. Trust me. I'm a huge nerd, okay? <laughs> I got a thumbs up from the back. So I'm not alone. Um, I'm a huge nerd. Uh, I love Lord of the Rings, okay? I watched Rings of Power, and, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the last three episodes, I was like, all right, here we go. This is getting good. You know, I'm on YouTube looking up, oh, okay, so this is what this means, and blah, 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 blah. I love it. I'm a huge nerd. So I love to learn. However... Jesus isn't like, the thing that you've turned my house into needs to be uh, fixed or built up on great teaching. It's prayer. Again, I believe in teaching. Good theology will create good prayers. The, the more you understand God's will, the more you'll pray good prayers. Amen? How are you guys doing? You good? Awesome. Here's the thing about prayer, too. <clears throat> and pr not all prayers are answered, okay? I think everybody could probably put their hand up to say, I totally did not have that prayer answered. The thing is, is God uses prayer as a tool and a communication device to build up our faith. Sometimes God wants us to make a decision on our own. He's a father. I heard a great... Um, uh, analogy from a guy who is a father. And uh, he was kind of saying that God's will has different aspects to it. And one of the things that God does sometimes, like a father, is sometimes he really directs you in a direction you need to go. You know, my, my, my father passed away a few years ago, but, you know, there was times where he would really direct me in a decision. And there was a lot of times where he was like, you're, you know, we've, we've taught you, you're a smart kid, you make the decision on your own. God does that. God does that. He says, you, God says, use the Bible, understand, and, and go with wisdom. And sometimes he does answer prayers, not in the way that we hoped. You go, ah, this was the answer to my prayer, but it was totally not what I was thinking. You know, there's a great preacher joke where it's like, you know, how many times have you dated somebody that you thought was going to be the one, and then God didn't answer your prayer, and now you're like, with the person who's the one, amen. Aren't you glad God didn't answer that prayer? That person's an uggo now. But the idea there is the same. It's this idea that sometimes God answers our prayers in a way that we didn't expect him to pray or to answer it. This is difficult for us <laughs> because um, with communication, we expect a reply 
who hates getting left on red? Okay, you're like, I know you saw this. Why ain't you answering me? I see you active on Instagram right now. You haven't wrote me back. Okay. <laughs> we as humans, we expect a reply, right? We expect God to behave in the way that we kind of want him to. We want him to reply. And sometimes he doesn't leave you on red in that he's ignoring you. Sometimes he leaves you on red and that it's like, it's not the time. And so this is where hopefully we can kind of start to change our perspective. Matthew 6, uh, 9 and, and 10, um, you know, the famous Lord's Prayer. But let's just focus on the first part here. It says, Our Father uh, in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Here's one of the primary purposes of prayer, is to actually align our will with God's will. See, we spend a lot of time, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. We spend a lot of time talking to God, asking for things to, to be done. And God is like, awesome, I love that for you, but here's the thing. You actually need to line up with my will. I'm not going to line up with your will. God's not subject to our will. He's subject only to his will. And so if there's a situation in which you're like, God, please, please um, do this, and he doesn't, maybe it's not his will in that moment. Now, I think that oftentimes um, what happens is in communication, most communication between humans, and I don't think all communication is this way, but a lot of the times we communicate with people if, they, if we want something done by them, right? Um, I, I manage a restaurant, and um, oftentimes on my day off, I'll get a text message, which I, I don't mind um, because it's a part of my role as the manager, but I'll get a text message, and oftentimes it's something that I either forgot to do genuinely or it's something that the people who uh, I work with and I manage, they want me to do. Totally fair. But that is one of the primary basis of my communication with these people. Right? Hey, can you do this? Hey, you want to go do this? Hey, let's go together to do this. Right? You're trying to get people on your side. I don't think there's anything inherently evil about that. But as just the general basis of most human communication, trying to get people to do things with you, right? Either they're requesting of you or you're requesting of them. And I think sometimes what ends up happening is we start treating prayer kind of a little bit like a holy Alexa. <laughs> it's like, hey God, play my favorite song at church this Sunday. And you walk in, you're like, wow, it's my favorite song. What are the chances? <laughs> sometimes we kind of forget until we need something. And are like, oh, hey God, what's the weather today? Today, it will be 17 degrees, whatever, right? That's not prayer, right? That's not real communication. <laughs> Your communication with Alexa is not real. <laughs> it's set up on that thing doing something for you. And I think sometimes we come to God with that mentality. Not always, but sometimes. We come to God with, God, can you do this for me? And then you don't pray for like a month and you're like, oh God, can you do this for me? Oh God, can you do this for me? <laughs> See, like I said, God's not subject to our whims. He's subject to his own will. 
Amen, I heard that. Here's another great scripture about prayer. John 14, 13. It says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus explains here, whatever you ask, he will do. Okay, our role is to ask. His role is to do. So people go, well, whatever I ask. Here's the thing. There's a lot of scriptures surrounding about how to ask and what to ask for. So you can't just pull that out of context and ask for God for whatever you want because God is subject to his will. So if you ask him for something that's not in his will, he is not obliged to do that. We're obliged to ask, though. In James, it says you have not because you ask not. Our role in prayer is to ask. Ask for anything. You know those uh, interviews, uh, ask me anything kind of thing? Go for it. Ask for anything. I genuinely believe that Christians don't sit around trying to um, pray uh, vengeful, evil prayers. <laughs> I think most of our prayers are uh, genuine, wholehearted, uh, you know, sort of wholesome. We want good things. I think we do want genuinely good things for ourselves and for the people around us. I, I, I mean, I'm sure there are Christians that pray crazy stuff that God's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But, and sometimes he just tells you, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay? Or, or sometimes, you know, like kind of a modern thing is like, God, I'm just pray that that person will be my spouse. And it's like, God's like, just go talk to them. <laughs> you're like, no, they're going to be my spouse. He's like, just go talk to them. Okay, I'm not going to make them be your spouse. <laughs> if you can find me a scripture where somebody gets told by God, this person you will marry, then we can have a conversation. But I'm pretty sure God never tells anybody who they're going to marry. We, there's a little part of active uh, pursuit on our part. Point being here, though, is that we have to ask within God's will. And I think genuinely, we want to understand God's will, and we pray what we think are good prayers. Here's the thing. God is the only one that really knows what's in our hearts, and he actually is the only one that really knows what's best for us. You know, oftentimes people are like, why is God so judgmental? It's like, okay, well, let's just back up. If I believe that God is real... Okay, I believe God is real, and I believe that he orders the universe, and I believe that he orders, orders the universe for our human flourishing. Now, here's the thing. We think that's one thing, but maybe God actually knows what it is that causes our flourishing. Where we think it's something, he knows it's something. And so he is like, yeah. This is my way of ordering the universe. And we're like, well, that's not how I would do it. <laughs> and God just goes, shrug emoji. Right? Here's the other thing that I love about this scripture. There's a lot packed here. And it says that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The primary end of our prayer, so the means of our prayer is asking. The primary ends of our prayer actually isn't that your prayer is answered. It's actually the glorification of God. See, your healing, your blessing, um, your promotion, whatever you're asking for God, your deliverance, God isn't necessarily going to answer it just because you want it. He's going to answer it to be glorified. And according to the Bible, his glorification is a key to human flourishing. It's a bit of a paradox, but that's what the scripture says. 
So you can kind of get into this thing where it's like, well, if God's just going to do his own will, um, then why even pray at all? It seems kind of useless to pray if God's just going to do his own thing. But I think it's actually more the opposite. I think it's not useless to pray. I think it's useless not to pray. Because I think, and this is a, a quote from St. Augustine, and he says that your will never changes, but I know that your mind can change. God changes his mind. Now let me explain. Some of you were like, heretic, get the stones. But, but let, me, let me explain. So oftentimes I will submit my ideas to people like St. Augustine, who was uh, a writer from AD 300, and he was a very famous, and he is a phenomenal <laughs> pastor, leader, um, and a spirit-filled believer from way back when. Okay, I think he had a pretty good knowledge on, on who God is. I think one of the reasons, this is a little bit of a tangent, so stay with me. I think one of the reasons is because he didn't live in what we consider to be a postmodern world. We live in an era called postmodernism, and the thing with that is that a lot of the times we've had this decision in our minds, or we've been taught from our schools or all sorts of things, is that truth can't really be known. See, people before that time understood objective truth and submitted their minds to that idea. But now we have this idea where it's like, well, it's your truth and my truth and blah, 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 blah. Now, you can get into a big, long debate about that, and I'm more than happy to. Point being, though, is that Augustine lived in a world where it was like God orders the universe, and I'm going to submit my theology to that. Not, I have my own truth, and I'm going to just live it the way I want. Okay, so let's go down this, this rabbit trail here. And this is the last sort of uh, point I want to make. You can't change God's will, but you can change his mind. Luke 18, 1 through 8, we're going to read a parable. And uh, yeah, we're just going to read it. It's going to be awesome. Okay, <clears throat> so this is Jesus, and he says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. Okay, let's stop right there. A little bit of context. In Jewish law, a widow's case was always put at the front of the queue. Okay, so if a widow had a case that they needed to bring to a judge, theirs would go straight to the front of the line. Okay, so she knew this and used that to her advantage to get in every single day, <laughs> right? I'm sure there was times where the judge was like, okay, session is closed. We're going to deal with that case tomorrow. But if the widow was there, she got to go straight to the front of the line every day. So Monday through Friday, while the court was open, she got straight to the front of the line, was the first person that the judge saw. Verse four, for while he refused, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice that she, wow, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Okay, she, this widow keeps bothering me. In the Greek, that literally means she's driving me crazy. <laughs> this judge was like, oh my God, you again. Okay, he's like, 
Really? You're back again? I already told you no. Okay. Verse six. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What's interesting is that Jesus, uh, God in this story and Jesus through this kind of like analogy, he sets God up as this kind of unrighteous judge. And the point that God's trying to make here is if an unrighteous judge can eventually dole out proper justice, how much more me, the perfect righteous judge, will dole out perfect justice? So he's kind of like putting a line in the sand, being like, if a bad judge can sometimes give out justice, I'll give out justice. Don't you worry about that. And so our role in this story is that of the widow. The judge changes his mind. The judge goes from no no, no, oh my gosh, you again? No, 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 like denied. And if I had a gavel, I'd hit the gavel really hard, like <laughs> out of here, right? Over and over and over. And this widow just like, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'll see you tomorrow, Judge Smith. I don't know what his name was, but Judge Jebediah, I don't know. Point being, she's like, I'll see you tomorrow. Don't worry about it. And he was like, holy moly. This person is unrelenting. See, this is what Jesus is saying in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you know the story, he says, God, if there's another way to do this, let's do it that way. But not my will, but yours. God's, Jesus is not appealing to change God's will, but he is appealing to change God's mind. Can we do this a different way, God? Not my will, your will. There's another parable where um, this, this um, person uh, comes to a friend's house in the middle of the night, and the, the, the guy sees him, and he's like, we need to feed you. That was kind of like a tradition in the ancient, ancient Near East. They would go, you've come to my house in the middle of the night. I have to feed you, but I have no bread. And so this guy goes to his neighbor, who he has a relationship with, and he knocks on the neighbor's door in the middle of the night to ask for bread. And the neighbor wakes up, you know, he's probably in his house coat and he rubs his eyes and he answers the door and he's like, what are you doing here? He's like, I need bread. People just door crash me at like midnight. I need some bread. And he's like, no, go away. And he closes the door and he walks back in and the guy just keeps knocking. Knock, 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 knock. Until finally the neighbor comes out and is like, okay, here, take some bread, take more than you need, blah, 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 blah. That's God in that story. God's the neighbor that we wake up in the middle of the night to ask, seek, and knock. How many times does Jesus talk about asking and 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 finally God says, okay, I've changed my mind but not my will in this situation. We, I think that exhaustively we can never fully know God's will, but we can understand from the Bible what God wills for our life. Yes, God wills our healing 100%. But sometimes, if you've read Job, he takes you through things where we are the ones that need to submit to his will. 
Yet at the same time, let's keep praying. Whatever that situation is for you, keep praying. Remember Paul? Don't, give, don't cease praying. Don't give up on the idea of prayer. Prayer works. Sometimes it's just in God's timing, not mine. So I think it would be um, remiss for us not to pray at the end of this sermon. <laughs> and I think we could all just stand together if you're physically uh, able or willing. And we'll just, we'll, honestly, we'll just petition to God together. Now, here's the thing. There might be something that you've prayed for a million times. I'm going to ask you to pray for it one million and one times. One more time. Let's knock on the door at midnight to ask for bread. It says in the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily bread. Bread is this idea of just basic needs. I think sometimes that's when um, people need houses, specifically miracles happen, because God recognizes that shelter and warmth is a need, especially in Canada. Amen. (laughs) You know, we don't live in Palm Springs where it's 80 degrees every day and just live in a tent, right? It's too cold. We need a house. We need somewhere where warm air works. I believe that this is why God answers those prayers miraculously. How many times have you heard a story of someone needing a house and boom, God just makes it happen? It's crazy. Why? It's because it's a daily bread. It's something we need. That doesn't mean that we only ask for things that we need. We can ask for things that we want as long as we know that maybe God doesn't will it yet. So let's pray together. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes without looking around. If you have a thing in your heart that you've been praying for, maybe we'll just take a minute and pray together quietly. But when you're ready, just put up your hand, posture your heart towards God. If there's something that you've asked God for once, twice, three times, four times, a million times, let's ask a million and one times together. So God, we just, um, we come before you like the widow. You are a perfect judge and you are a king. And we, we bring our petition to you that you would uh, appeal, you would grant our appeal one more time. We ask and we humbly come before you and we request in your court, in your presence, God, we ask one more time that you would heal us, that you would provide. We ask that you would give us our daily bread. If we need a house, God, we ask that you would give it. We ask for miracle situations. God, we ask for blessing. God, we ask for financial blessing in our lives. God, we ask for healing for our hearts and our minds, for our physical bodies. God, if we're sad, we lament to you. Repair us, bring us back together under your will. God, we sit in your court and ask us, we ask you one more time to provide for us. God, we ask for forgiveness for for ourselves, for our own sin. And we ask, God, that you would help us forgive those that have transgressed, have aggressed against us. One more time, God, in your court, we ask for that thing that you know we need. We petition to you, God, your holy Father that wants to give good things to us. We ask one more time that you would give that thing that we need. One more time, we ask that you would change your mind on a situation where it seems like there's no way. God, provide a way. 
You are the God of the impossible. Not to remind you of that, but to remind me of that. God, one more time, we ask for healing. One more time, we ask for blessing. One more time, we ask for those things that we need. May it be a way. May it be a relationship that was closed. Be open. May it be whatever we need, God. We ask that you would change your mind, yet at the same time, Lord, your will, not ours. We ask all this in the name of Jesus, the true name of your son, Jesus. The name that has the authority that we can pray in, Jesus. We ask in that name. We come before you under that authority. We come before you in your courts with that name that you would provide because you're a holy, perfect father and a perfect judge, and you will bring justice to the situations that we see and we need you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website, poemachurch.ca.